Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. Our service this morning is being led by our minister, Katrina, and everything we need to follow the service, including the words of all our hymns and songs, are both on our printed order of service and on the screen. Special welcome if you're visiting today, and it's lovely to have Willie and his friend Duncan here again, uh, and to have Janice here. It's lovely to have you all, and we hope you really enjoy your time with us. As you can see, our service this morning includes the act of communion, and everyone who's trying to follow Jesus is invited to take part. But as always, if for any reason at all you'd rather not, just pass the bread and wine on to the person next to you. Thank you, and I'll be testing you later to see if you took it all in. It's quite a lot there, isn't there? We continue our short series of services based on the Psalms. And today, all the hymns we will be singing, all the songs we will be singing, are either based on or inspired by psalms. Um, and we're going to start by hearing a very short psalm in its entirety. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Worship him, all you peoples. Because God's faithful love toward us is strong, the Lord's faithfulness lasts forever. Praise the Lord. So let's do just that as we join together in one of my favourite of the Scottish metrical psalms. I to the hills will lift mine eyes, from whence doth come mine aid. And if you're able, you're invited to stand as we sing. So 
beautiful. So we're going to come together in a prayer of approach after which we will share in the Lord's Prayer. And as usual, you're invited to say that in whichever language and format feels the most natural for you. Psalm 133 says this. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. Loving God, it is good and pleasant for us to gather in the name of Christ to offer you our praises and prayers. It is a precious thing to meet together freely with no fear of interference, infiltration or arrest. We find refreshment for our souls when we draw near to you just as the dew refreshes the grass of field and meadow. We thank you for each other. Each of us is unique. Each of us is made in your image. We thank you for this community, Christ's body in this place, in which each one of us has a vital role. We thank you for this place and for this time where we may pause from busy and challenging lives to seek succour for the days ahead. You promise us life in all its fullness now and the life of eternity to come. So accept our praises and hear our prayers as we join our voices in the words Jesus taught his followers, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Oh, 
So today we're thinking about some more of the Psalms and I'll be explaining a bit more of that later on in the service. But as I was looking at the Psalms for this week and thinking about the theme, I started to find myself thinking about special occasions and special occasions for which we have songs that are important to us. So I just thought it would be interesting to see what we can share. So let's start off with one I think is pretty straightforward. Are there any special songs that we sing when somebody has a birthday? Well, I'll get some smiles anyway. So what do we sing when somebody has a birthday? Happy birthday. Yeah, actually, interestingly, when I was in Czechia the other week, um, we were in a little town called Česky Krumlov, and we were sitting outside a restaurant a vegetarian restaurant having a very nice meal and across the other side of the river we heard in German at least we think it was German a, a song we recognised but it's interesting because when I had a look actually not everybody in the world sings the same song um, Lena's shaking her head what, what song would you sing um, for a birthday Lena have you got a song that you would sing okay okay so in Lithuania, all sorts of songs. And I, I looked up for one in Farsi, and, and you have a Farsi song for birthdays, don't you? But it's not happy birthday. It's, it's something else, but it's, it's great. So special songs for birthdays that are sung in different countries. Now, this one's going to be a little bit more personal. Um, weddings or couples sometimes have an our song. Does anybody want to fess up to what our song is or the song you particularly chose for your first dance at your wedding? So I could pick on Lena again because they had a very interesting first <laughs> choice for their, their first dance, which was very beautiful. It was a very beautiful day. Anybody else? A, a special song. Katrina, have you and Ben got a special song? Yes, it's called For the Dancing and the Dreaming, which is actually from How to Train Your Dragon 2. Okay, for the dancing and the dreaming from How to Train Your Dragon. It is a song about a way. So which one's the dragon or shouldn't I ask? <laughs> okay, so yep, that's great. Um, anybody else got a, a Jeff, what was your first dance to? Can you remember? <laughs> okay, so for some people, weddings and, and couples do not make um, for special songs. But for some people they're well and perhaps you're just a bit shy to share them and that's fine one more um, I would call it New Year's Eve other people might call it Hogmanay any special songs that get used that day Old Lang Syne yep and, and, and why do we sing that one particularly um, in Scotland properly with the correct bits of arms and don't get told off like I do for doing it wrong because <laughs> I, I just don't know and I have to learn these things so. a song about friendship and brotherhood uh huh Yep, so a song about friendship, about being brothers and sisters all around the world. So that's a good thing, isn't it, to remind ourselves at the turn of a new year. So all sorts of special songs for special occasions. If you had a hymn book, I should have kept the one that Barbara passed on to me. Barbara passed on to me a really old hymn book this morning. But if you open up a hymn book, you often find in the front... It has a sections of songs for different occasions. So you'll have songs about praising God and songs about worshipping God and songs about communion and songs about the cross and songs about resurrection and such like. 
And then you find there might be a section of songs for harvest or songs for Christmas. Anybody think of anything special we sing at Christmas in church or anywhere else? Oh, come all you faithful, yeah? Any others? Amazing Grace is a special one for some people. That's great. So in, in our hymn books, we have, some, we have um, hymns for Easter, we have hymns for Christmas, we have hymns for Pentecost. But also, if we looked in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, which was the first hymn book ever published, 150 to choose from, a bit limited compared to what we're used to, but within that were some for special occasions, for when it was a special festival or for when you were travelling to a special festival. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit more later in the service. But for now, we're going to sing a song which is based on one of the Psalms. Um, 118 is the one it's based on. I think it's quite well known and we can have some fun as we sing together. This is the day that the Lord has made. Thanks, Paul.
today I'm going to preach on hymn 326, Said No Preacher Ever. But as I've been thinking about our topic for today, I actually found myself thinking, well, why not? If we believe that the people who write and hymns and songs, at least the ones that make it into our published collections, are inspired by the same spirit of God that inspired the psalmists, then maybe sometimes actually we should preach on a hymn. Or maybe when we choose the hymns and songs that make it into our published collections, perhaps we should be asking ourselves very clearly, is this something that is for public use, for sharing among all God's people that is inspired by God for that purpose? Or actually, is it just one person's completely authentic and legitimate response to God for one particular occasion. If I'm honest, when I look through hymn books and particularly some of the newer collections, I think sometimes things that are somebody's own very personal response have been misappropriated as general and that can be a bit unfortunate and leads to the sense that, that somebody's performing at the front when actually they're not, they are worshipping, but it's their own thing. But today, we're going to look at two distinct sections of the book of Psalms. Two collections of songs that were used by the Jewish believers of the temple era at times of religious festivals. First, although numerically second, such is the way of these things, are what are called the Ascent Psalms. Fifteen of them, number 120 to 134 in our numbering system. And they're generally thought to be the songs that the pilgrims sang as they journeyed towards Jerusalem. It was a long walk, could take several days, and it could get very tiring and very boring. So to lift their spirits, they would sing these songs. They're generally quite short, so you could memorise them. And they would be quite good for, you know, singing this is the day as you walked along on a long walk would keep you going when it got a bit hard work. There is, though, another theory. There are 15 of these psalms, and there were apparently 15 steps up to the temple. And so one of the theories is that the priests, as they neared the temple, would stop on each step and recite the next psalm. So you recite a psalm, take up another step, recite another psalm. A deliberate slowing down as they got closer to worshipping God. Space to think, space to prepare themselves. And I think there's some worth in both of those ideas. The idea is that these are songs to keep you going on the journey and that these are songs to slow you down as you prepare to worship God. So we're going to spend some time this morning looking at the Ascent Psalms. The other little collection are sometimes called the Hallel Psalms, and that's numbers 113 to 118 in our numbering system. And these were sung at the great Jewish pilgrim festivals, Pesach, or Passover to us, Shavuot, or Pentecost, Sukkot, or Tabernacles, also at Hanukkah, 
the festival of light, and Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of a new month. So these are psalms of praise. They celebrate God's goodness to those in the past, and they have quite strong echoes of the exodus from Egypt. And these are the psalms that Jesus and his friends would have sung together when they had that final meal in the borrowed room before they left for the Garden of Gethsemane in the darkness of the night. And again, we'll take some time this morning to reflect on one of these psalms. But before we go any further, let's just take a few moments to sing in a Teze chant, first in Latin and then in English, the shortest of the Hallel Psalms, number 117 in the Bible, Laudate Omnes Gentes, and I think we're going to sing it twice in each language. Thanks, Paul. reading this morning is Psalm 131. Uh, it's only three verses, so don't settle in for a long haul. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, and my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. 
My soul is like the weaned child that is with me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. Laptop, check. Script for service, check. Objects for illustration, leaflets to pass on, coat, bag, keys, out the door, down the stairs, and on my way to church. That's pretty much how it is for me on a Sunday morning. wonder what your Sunday morning ritual is like. Maybe you have to find your shoes or your coat. Maybe you choose what you're going to wear. Perhaps you have to make sure you've got resources for Sunday school or crash or Bible class. Possibly it's your turn to bring the biscuits or the flowers. And then you get into the car or you walk to the bus stop and you head towards church. And when we arrive, for some of us, there will be the PA equipment to set up or the screen to set up. There is music to rehearse, there are orders of service to fold and the communion to prepare. We meet and are greeted by others and sometimes that's the only chance we have really to catch up with people we haven't seen for a whole week. With one eye open for the visitors and another to note who's not here that we thought might be, to see who it is we need to speak to, we take our seats and we wait for the opening strains of the gathering song. And I confess, I had a little chuckle to myself when the volume of chat this morning was so high and the song began and I don't know who it was but somebody went shh we come and we prepare to worship God actually I quite like the chatter before the service I think it's a good thing that we spend time to talk to one another but my earliest recollections of going to church as teenager I mean I'm talking here church perhaps more than going out gone out to Sunday school it was always very quiet and very still nobody spoke above a whisper everyone went to their seats they sat down they put their hands together they closed their eyes and they prayed or at least Perhaps they pretended to pray because nobody ever told me what to pray in those moments. Now, to be fair, most of the churches I went to as a teenager and a young adult were cold and dark and damp. But we've forgotten all of that. And if you were a visitor, which I often was as a young adult, you walked into the quietness and you looked for somewhere to sit and you found an end of a pew or an end of a row and then there was that moment of the icy stir 
because that was whoever's seat. But they wouldn't speak to you. They would just stare at you and expect you to know to move. Times have changed. And I do honestly enjoy our Sunday mornings. It's always slightly chaotic. We're getting things set up. We're making sure that things are where they should be. We're meeting and greeting. We're rushing around. But I'm also conscious that sometimes I'm not quite where I would like to be in preparing myself inside to encounter with God. And one of the things I really value as the person entrusted with leading worship week by week is the vestry prayers. We don't have a vestry here, do we? We have a nice little corner just out there in the coffee area, tucked away. And week by week, the managers come out with me and pray for me and for us as we prepare to worship God. It's a good marker point for me to change from rushing around to thinking about here I am in the presence of God entrusted with leading others to that place Psalm 131 which we just heard read for us is very beautiful and it's very honest in its speaking of preparing oneself to encounter God if it's true that these songs were sung as the people climbed the steps and if they were sung in the order in which we have them recorded they were nearly at the top when they sang this one and in this short psalm as Will says three verses there are three steps on the approach to God the first one is that the singer recognises their own humanity just as it is, complete with its limitations as well as its strengths. I don't think too much of myself. I don't think myself is superior to other people. There are things I don't understand. There are things that are troubling. But I'm making a choice to put those aside. So part of the approach to God is about being aware of ourselves and what's going on for us, how we feel what's been good in the past week, what's been not so good in the last week. A few moments where we can pause and set that down. But also a few moments where we remind ourselves that in God's presence we are all equal. God's not interested in how many letters we have after our name or in front of our name or, or whether we are unskilled according to the Prime Minister or whether we are skilled or whatever it is in God's eyes we are all of equal worth and so as we sit together we remind ourselves of that the second stage or step is an equally conscious decision to be held in God's embrace to be stilled and quietened in our innermost being. And the language is very clear. I have stopped. I have desisted. I have refrained from doing. I have hushed myself, calmed myself, comforted myself deep within. 
I have chosen to be still and now I can rest with God just as a young wean child rests with their mother. Not a suckling baby. This is not the image of a mother nursing her child and it's just had enough to eat and, and it's sleeping. A weaned child, a child who can feed themselves, a child who is growing, becoming independence, who chooses the safe place, snuggled up next to mum. And that's a beautiful image to th- of for thinking about God as we come to worship, that we can snuggle up safe to the one who loves us. And then lastly, the psalmist speaks for the whole nation, for all people. Put your hope in God. That is why they have come to the temple. That is the faith that sustains them day by day, no matter what happens. And it's true for us. We come here. We step out of the everyday. We choose to slow down. We choose to focus our hearts and minds towards God and to snuggle up to God, if you like, and to remind ourselves of the faith that inspires us. And so just for a few moments, we're going to listen to some music and I invite you to be still, to snuggle up to God and to find some rest. going to share now in reading a psalm and we're going to split ourselves in half down the aisle I think that's the easiest way to do it so on this side of the aisle we will be the yellow on the screen or the ordinary type on the sheet whichever you prefer to read from and that side of the aisle is the white italic on the screen or the bold on the sheet So that's a nice little test for our brains as we start to do it. If if we get mixed up, it doesn't matter. But we're going to read this 
hymn this psalm together. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord protects the simple. When I was brought alone, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has sailed bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I kept my faith, even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. What shall I return to the Lord? For all his bounty to me, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your serving me. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise to the Lord. So once the pilgrims got to the temple, they would go inside. Maybe they would make offerings and sacrifices. Some of them probably had to go to the priests and present themselves to confirm that that itchy skin they had had now cleared up. Or if they were women who'd recently given birth to be formally readmitted to the worshipping community. Some scholars think that Psalm 116, of which we've just read a part, was part of a ritual for those who were being reintroduced to the community of faith when their health improved. And maybe they would actually chant this whilst the priest or some other person poured out a drink offering, poured out wine onto the altar. In a way, it's a strange psalm because we actually don't know what caused the writer to cry out to God. And if you look at what the commentators say, they come up with all sorts of different ideas. Some of them think that it was a life-threatening illness or injury from which they had recovered. Some of them think maybe they'd had an illness that had forced them to be cast out from the society, to be ostracised and isolated. Maybe they did have itchy skin or, or they'd been sick too many times or whatever. Others wonder if they'd been wrongly accused of something that perhaps had carried a death sentence and that had somehow been revoked. We don't know. I can't help thinking, though, that that vagueness can be useful for us because it allows ourselves, us to put ourselves in the place of the psalmist. If we feel alone, if we feel isolated, or frightened, 
or marginalised or ostracised, we can go to that place and with the psalmist we can cry out to God in desperation and say, for goodness sake, God, do something. And if there's nothing else that we take from this psalm today, then I think it is this, that even on those days when God seems to be silent or asleep or missing, we can still call out to the God who is there though we are unaware of it. And we don't have to be nice and polite and use the Sunday prayers. We can shout at God. We can scream at God. We can say with the psalmist, Lord, save me. So that's kind of the starting point. But actually, this psalm is a very upbeat one. It's one of thankfulness. Not necessarily celebration, but thankfulness. The writer says, I was brought low. I was at the end of my tether. Everything seemed helpless. And in that moment, God saved me. And because God was with me, because God rescued me, I was able to rediscover that place of rest and security and, yeah, even of snuggling up to God that we spoke about earlier. How we hear the psalm today will depend how life is for us. Maybe there are some folk here who feel isolated or ostracised or they're in a dark place of some sort. And it's a reminder that God is still there. Maybe some have come through a difficult time and are now feeling more happy. And that gives us a chance to celebrate that, to be grateful for that. And maybe for some, life is just going on. In which case, it's something to store away for a day when we need it. The psalm is offered from a good place a place of feeling healthy, of feeling well. And so the person says thank you to God and then chooses to respond. If God has been this good to me, this gracious and this generous, what am I going to do for God? And the lifting of the cup and the pouring of the wine becomes a sign and a symbol of a renewed commitment to walk in the ways of God. Having come through whatever it was, now the psalmist rededicates himself to the service of God. I think some of you know that I, one of the things I do in my spare time is I volunteer as a peer support volunteer for women who have been affected by breast cancer. And that means I phone them reasonably frequently for a period of time until they're ready to go off on their own and, and it's a great privilege but one of the things that strikes me with nearly all of them is we get to the end and they say but now I want to give something back 
And for some of them, that might be to take up a volunteer's role. For some of them, it might be to do some fundraising for that or another charity. For some of them, it might be to campaign for research or treatments or equality across the nations of this island. And for some of them, it will just be saying, I have learned through this tough time and I will take that into my everyday life. Because there isn't one right response when you've come out the other side of a tough time. And I actually think we see something of that in this psalm too. The psalmist has said, God has been good to me, therefore I want to respond to God. For some people, the right response will be overtly spiritual. And for others, it will be completely practical. For some people, it will just be a one-off. And for others, it could be a lifelong commitment to some kind of mission or ministry, maybe amongst vulnerable people or marginalised people, because having felt that way ourselves, we begin to understand what it might be like for others. But what matters, I think, is that the thankfulness moves us on into a lived response in our own everyday lives. We can't just go, thank you, God, that was great, good for me. Rather, the psalmist suggests we say, that's fantastic, God, now I would like to. We fulfil our vows to God to walk both together and our part with Jesus in the ways we know and the ways we don't yet know. And we do all of that to the praise and glory of the God who has saved and who continues to save each and every one of us. Amen. And so let's sing together, glory to God within the church.
we bring our prayers for others and for each other. So we begin to use our new prayer diary and we begin more consciously to use the diaries of the uh, Baptist Union of Scotland and BMS World Mission. So let's come to God in prayer. God of all creation, whose desire is the renewed creation, glimpsed in the visions of the ancients, we come to you in prayer. We begin thinking globally of issues we have seen and heard in the news this week. It's hard to know where to begin when we learn about natural disasters, about human greed and abuse of power, about complex environmental and political situations. We cannot name them all, and nor can any one of us really be moved by more than one or two. So in the quietness of our hearts, each of us now brings to you one or two things that disturbs our ease. Still thinking globally, we call to mind the work of BMS, focusing at their request on their work among the most marginalised peoples of our world. And so we lift to you in prayer the vital medical work being undertaken in Chad, the medical and justice work in Mozambique, the assistance to farmers and growers in northern Uganda, the work for peace in South Sudan, the precarious and essential work in Afghanistan and in Guinea, and for all BMS workers who live among marginalised communities, seeking to show the love, the justice and the hope that they have in Christ. As part of your church here in Scotland, and specifically as a Baptist church, we bring to you the topics highlighted for us by the Baptist Union of Scotland for this week. And we begin praying for our siblings in Christ and the Baptist Union of Wales and for their growing links with the work of BMS in Nepal. And here in Scotland, we name before you Motherwell Baptist Church seeking to build closer relationships with their community. Mull Baptist Church, bearing witness in an island community. Nairn Baptist Church, missing their young people who have all left for university and seeking to support their older mem members. New Prestwick Baptist Church, especially for their youth worker Craig and those who volunteer with him. Bless these churches, we pray. 
and in our own fellowship from our prayer diary. We pray for Adi and Moji, for David and Esther, that you will watch over that young family, keeping them safe and happy, that it will be a place of true flourishing for all of them. We pray also for Irene Allen, so faithful in her ministry to the least and lost of our city, and now constrained by the effects of age. <coughs> Remind her of her worth in Christ, and let her be assured of your love for her. Please accept our prayers and show us how we may be part of the answer to the requests we have made in the name of Jesus. Amen.
the psalmist says, What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. And you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. So we come to the table of the Lord, guests of the one whose death gives us life. We come to the table of the Lord to lay down the heavy burdens of daily life. We come to the table of the Lord seeking rest and needing refreshment for our ongoing lives. Gospel of Matthew records a story like this. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover meal. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said to them, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a psalm, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvellous in our eyes. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. 
Thank you, eternal God, for this bread, for this wine, and for this moment to pause, to rest, to reflect, to remember. Amen. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he shared it with his friends. And so we who try to follow Jesus, who are his friends in this place at this time, we too share bread, eating as we receive, reflecting, resting, remembering. the end of the meal Jesus took a cup of wine and maybe they all remembered the words from the psalm about taking up the cup of salvation in the presence of God's people so we will retain our glasses so that we can drink together a sign and a symbol of our unity with each other with all believers in all places, at all times, and ultimately in Christ. Just as the ancients knew themselves accepted by God and so poured out a drink offering. Just as Christ took a cup and blessed it, so let us drink this cup of blessing in gratefulness and hope. Living Lord Jesus, you have shared the joys and the sorrows of human life. Eternal Christ, you have defeated the power of sin and death. Holy One of God, in you we place our hope and our trust, and to you we rededicate our lives. Amen.
nurturing God, bless us with the assurance of your presence, with peace beyond comprehension and confidence to follow in the footsteps of Jesus this day and every day. Thank you.